Welcome to a Wednesday night here on Locked On Women's Basketball. The WNBA Finals matchup is set. We've got the Seattle Storm and the Washington Mystics. And here to preview that series with me and get a, get a Washington perspective on, on things is Lindsey Gibbs. And Lindsey, I want to start just... I want to start to kind of get a get a read from you on how well this team is playing right now. And I felt a good way to do that, we'll also do this with Seattle when I talk with Joseph Zucker, is just I want to run through the best three players and really get a grip on where they're at at this point in the season. And first, I want to hear from you. You know, What have you seen from Elena Deldon coming back from that hyperextended knee? And what do you think her comfort level is right now? Uh, her comfort level isn't great when it comes to uh, shooting, <laughs> which is kind of what she's known for. But her comfort rebounding and blocking shots has been much better. And so the spark she's kind of given them on defense and nabbing those 10-plus rebounds per game, even while hobbled, has is worth her being on the floor. I suspect that she will be less hobbled in a few days. I mean, that's apparently what time does to these injuries. But yeah, I mean, she is certainly not at peak Elena Deladon right now. And there, there are very few players in the WNBA that can fully take advantage uh, of even of a 75% Elena Deladon. But Brianna Stewart is certainly one of them. Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting to, to start there with this series not just because she's arguably the best player in the in these playoffs, but just you know Seattle with Seattle there it, there's a good chance that Washington's going to have to play games in the in the high 80s upper 90s, which they didn't always have wouldn't have, didn't always have to do against Atlanta, and in a game you know game one game two where they're going to be in Seattle, you know do you think Deladon's at the point where she's going to be more comfortable? if she has to take on a bigger work- workload getting into the post and isoing like she's been doing so so well throughout the regular season. I mean, I do. Like I said, I assume, I I expect her to be better than she was in Atlanta. The fact that this is starting on a Friday and not a Thursday is going to be a really big deal. But it's it, it it's hard to say cuz she's going to be somewhere in between, I think, the hobbled Deladon we saw the last two games and the one of her best seasons ever, Deladon, we saw during the regular. I mean, she's definitely been tentative when going towards the basket, and she's had trouble really jumping off, um, you know, on her jump shot. I think a lot of that has, to, I mean, a lot of it's pain tolerance, a lot of it's that brace, but a lot of it's just trying to really figure out her body and gauging what she's capable of, which I think more than anything is what a couple of days of practice will help her with. She really has not practiced at all because she was just rehabbing full time. So she was really only getting a feel for her knee during the games. And so, I mean, in both games, you saw her struggle early and then get better as the game goes on. She's still doing a lot of rehab in Seattle, I'm sure. But I think practice, she'll be in there and practices. And I think that will help. I do expect to see her more comfortable going to the basket and, you know, more comfortable figuring out the best way to kind of push off for these three-pointers. But I don't think we're going to see the explosiveness, if that makes sense. So I think we'll see her moving better. We'll see her more confident in her movements. But she's not going to have that spring to her step that she usually does. 
That that knee brace that she's got is 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 a, is pretty bulky. That's it's very and, big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and I watching games four and five, I wanted there were some possessions where I really started to think, man, Washington's just really, they're really hurting themselves right now. They're really just stat, they're stagnating, they're standing around. But then I, but then I realized like, oh hey, they're probably, you know, they're playing these game these high stakes games where there weren't as many possessions where they just threw it into her and knew that they could just play out of that because she's going to get doubled. And and one person who could kind of take some of that load off her shoulders is Christy Tolliver, who in games four and five shot uh, 16 of 29 overall, 7 of 19 on threes after a rough start to the series. Where do you think, you know, relative to how she performed in the regular season and even last year for the Mystics, where would you gauge where Christy Tolliver's at right now? Mm, she's towards the best we've seen her in Washington. I think she's looked better this year um, than she has during the playoffs. I mean, we've seen, like you said, a little bit closer to peak Tolliver recently. Um, definitely looks better than she did last year, no question. Last year, not good. But I think that uh, this is this is her time. This is why she came here, right? It's, it's a narrative that's been told over and over again to the point that it sounds cheesy, but it's also, you know, uh, you know, there, there's also a lot of truth to it. She came here to challenge herself to be the go-to player in games like this. And she takes that challenge very seriously. And it's been, it's been really fun to watch. So I think we're going to keep seeing games four and five Tolliver. Now, games four and five Tolliver still go on really long dry spells. She had a long dry spell in the second half of game five. So um, that's still maybe not as as consistent as you want your uh, top player to be. But she's going to be, I think, the person you're going to have to look at to be the the big scorer because... You know, if if we're going to continue to see Elena Deladon closer to fifteen points than twenty five points, it yeah, and it was it was a lot of fun to see her get going a little bit just for the nature of that series, regardless of how it played out. But to see her hitting shots off the dribble, and then just going hard to the basket, that was huge. That was huge for them, and that and that really made all the difference with without Deladon necessarily jumping right back in as that that player who could just take all these possessions on her on her own and make something happen. And then the third player I want to bring up right off the jump here for Washington is Ariel Atkins. And I guess first the question is, you know, would you consider her at a point where she is the third best player? Not that that, that is everything and it doesn't have, it's not that important. But just that question first because if she's if she's reached a different point in Seattle's mind, that may change how they go about guarding the Mystics and how they deploy Alicia Clark, their best on-ball defender. Yeah, uh, absolutely she's their third best player right now. She has been the most clutch player in these playoffs by far. Honestly, maybe from either team over the full playoff run. It's been really exciting to kind of watch her blossom. I mean, I talked to her before the playoffs. I did a piece on her for the city paper and, you know, she was nervous. She felt good though. She was excited, but you, you don't know what to expect from, from 
a rookie in this situation. And it, as anyone who watched that game five in particular can attest, she found her way to the ball every single time it mattered. I think there was a stretch in that third quarter or maybe fourth quarter, somewhere in the second half, where she either shot or assisted on like 10 straight points. <laughs> uh, and every single time... Uh, Deladon or Sanders or any of them missed a shot, she seemed to be there for that an offensive board in the second half. She just has this way, like she has this low center of gravity and she has this crazy way of just kind of ducking through the court almost, <laughs> like bobbing and weaving through, you know, through these players and then bopping up like a little, uh, little mole to grab that rebound. And uh, I think Seattle will be more focused on her than any team has been all year. She's deserved that type of attention. And I also think she can handle it. <laughs> There's been nothing to suggest that she's, that this moment is too big for her. And I, it, it's been really, it's, it's really phenomenal to see a player blossom kind of into a star right in front of our eyes in the way the way she's doing and you know what people who've been following the mystics have really you know followed her all year and been impressed i've been singing her praises all season long but like i said you don't know if on this stage and against these best defenses and against you know in these series if you're going to get it but she what she's really enjoyed and we've talked about this is she's enjoyed the series life. She's enjoyed going back and watching film and getting better. Tebow said he's never had a player watch as much film as she does. So, you know, I think she's going to rise to the challenge. I think she's absolutely there, you know, Jewel Lloyd at, you know, number three right now. The thing that's so interesting about watching her over the season is, is one, she's just, you know, there's a, you know, Nikki Collin refers to Tiffany Hayes as very workmanlike and, you know, Atkins in that same way. It's just, you know, she's, you're rarely not going to see her with, she's got, she's always got the same expression on her face. <laughs> she's just, she's always very, she's very calm and she just always, you know, she just sticks her nose, she sticks her nose in there. You know, the, there are the plays where she's taking charges, getting offensive rebounds and, and then just when the ball finds her, you know, oh, hey, you're going to leave me open. Okay. I'm going to shoot it. Oh hey, you're gonna you know let me step into this jumper. Okay, I'm gonna take it, and it's you know it's it's really it's it's fit in so well with a lot, in a lot of ways with the personalities of their other stars, with their coach, and it just it really seems to be a perfect storm brewing for them where they have you know this third player who's doing more you know more extra stuff to to really take make make life easier for. For Del for Deladon and for Tolliver. And I think, you know, Atkins has probably been the revelation at large for this team through the playoffs so far, but to see them take care of the Sparks in round in round two and then make it through this five game series. You know, anything else on top of Atkins, you know, other are, are there things that stick out to you that you feel like you've learned about this team so far in the playoffs? Well, I've learned that Latoya Sanders actually can miss multiple shots a game. <laughs> Her efficiency. I think she was one for six in game five, which is something I've never, you know, she's been automatic, you know. I think her, her shooting percentage for this season was around 60%. So she's been a little bit off 
thankfully she does so much else well. She's averaging above three blocks per game, um, which is, you know, not something you really think about Latoya Sanders as like the block party master. Um, but that's how she's been this playoff. So she's she's contributing in other ways. But I've just really been impressed with Washington's bench. It's been a different player every single night, it feels like. But they've really had these performers just step up. And as, you know, the cliches go, that it takes all 12 to win a championship. You've got to have those bench players, those different role players, step in and really, you know, make their presence known. And Tebow has lots of options to go to on the bench right now. He can give teams lots of different looks off the bench. And you can tell he's having a lot of fun like, uh, with that, you know. In game four, we talked a lot about uh, – about Maisha Hines Allen and the performance that she had and, you know, playing 13 minutes off the bench because Sanders got into foul trouble. Well, she didn't see any playing time in game five. And yet you had Tiana Hawkins who had struggled a little bit in games three and four, come in and get 17 points in 10 minutes. (laughs) Like what? Who does that? 17 points. I mean, she just was on fire. And so when you have players like that that can come off the bench and it it, it can be a different player every night, you're always going to get consistency from Tara Riffin Pratt and you're always going to get great defense from her. And that's always going to be a springboard for this team. And that's going to be especially crucial given how good um, the guards are in Seattle. But there are a lot of different options. You can bring the burst of energy from aerial powers. Always, you know, you can uh, get the Maisha in there, the really physical big body. If you need a bully, you've already always got Crystal Thomas on that bench. We haven't seen her any of these playoffs, but that doesn't mean, you know, we won't get a curveball. So I, I think that it's, it's been fun to see coach kind of play with all these pieces on his bench and to see these players really uh, step up to the occasion, I was I was super happy for Tiana Hawkins that she had such a good game because I know when she had gone in, she you know she had been putting in this, put in the starting lineup for Deladon in Game Three, and she struggled and she was put in a pretty impossible situation because the whole offense was struggling, and anytime you're asked to be Elena Deladon, you're kind of setting you know you're. Uh, Uh, you're setting someone up for failure there. So I was really excited that she was able to show, uh, you know, her extended range and her shooting ability off in game five. And, you know, I think her and Atkins were the MVPs of that game. The thing with Hawkins, I I think going into a a matchup with Seattle, I think she really ought to be in maybe the Washington coaching staff. They ought to be feeling, they ought to be feeling really happy because Seattle's a better matchup for Tiana Hawkins. Yeah. Uh, when she's when you know when she's staring across from Jessica Breeland and Elizabeth Williams, she's just not going to be able to take them off the dribble, and that was that was the part of her game that I thought was really impressive in the regular season. You know the shooting, the shooting last year. You know you kind of, you know you kind of had this idea that it was there, and that it might come along, and it has, but you know the other the other effect in her really, in her really taking care of her body and taking that to a whole other level over the off season where she's a lot quicker off the dribble so much faster and able to do to do yeah and able to do and able to do some more stuff there so i think this is now a series where she she's just really set up well to build off of that and do a little bit more maybe get into the basket or just put it down hard and force some help and then she can make the next play and 
I had written down Hawkins down as the one bench player I wanted to talk about, and I think she's this will be an interesting matchup off the bench between her and Crystal Langhorn in terms yes. of who can in terms of who can give their teams the most. You know, Langhorn had some good moments for Seattle. She always even when it's, you know, a Brittany Griner or just someone that's way taller than her, she still manages to get a couple good looks a game where she just fakes people out of their shoes and steps through into an easy look. You know, what do you th- what do you think of maybe if they're not just guarding each other, but what you know, Hawkins versus Langhorn, maybe you throw in Heinz Allen there or Crystal Thomas. You know, what do you think the backup front court situation will look like as this series plays out? Yeah, I <laughs> Heinz Allen actually got a lot of playing time, so it's interesting to look at the history of these game of these two teams because I, I'm gonna talk about it and then I'm gonna say there's not as much that you can get from it because their first game that the Mystics uh, traveled all the way there for early in the season Latoya Sanders was out she was still dealing with anemia and hadn't even seen the lineup yet Deladon was out with Lyme disease and Natasha Cloud was out with kidney stones so that's three of your starters (laughs) and a cross-country trip uh at the time this was early in the season it uh Cloud and Sanders were an established starter so it didn't seem even as significant as it does now but Maisha Hines-Allen was was great in that game and I think Tolliver and I mean you had a lot of players step up and it was it was a one or two possession game at the very end I think they ended up losing by six points but I remember it being a really fun game and it was a game that Heinz Allen had the athleticism as we talked about in the last podcast the athleticism to actually really kind of keep up with Seattle's pace and so that's a that's a performance that has to actually give the Mystics a lot of confidence, even though they lost. Uh, and their second one was kind of similar. They had more of the pieces back, but that second road game, they had really bad travel woes. You know, they were playing, I think, it's a back-to-back. They hadn't gotten their, – their flight didn't get into Seattle till about 2 a.m. They were playing three games in four days. You know, it was that stretch of the season. And once again, you know, they – they were in it until the last possession when Seattle put their, you know, the foot on the gas. And then in D.C., when Seattle was on a rough road trip <laughs> and having was for some reason scheduled to play 11, you know, the kids camp day, day game, which was, you know, 830 on their biological clock time. And, you know, the Mystics really ran away from it. So it's it's a it's a de- it's a deceiving two to one uh tilt in the in the head-to-head this season but my point of saying all this was I do remember uh Maisha Hines Allen matching up well against this team as well and I think Hawkins had a good game that that time as well so I actually think this is a really good matchup for the Mystics maybe even a better matchup than a Phoenix would have been and yeah those those last two games by the way you know if people are itching for a fix before this series starts yeah i would i would encourage people to go and watch you know go watch those last two games if you're if you're looking for something to to fix your eyes on you know and just and just ignore the results because you laid it out there that you know there were there were travel circumstances that that uh impacted both teams there but you know there is looking at how these teams do match up i agree that uh, Washington should feel pretty good about how they can match up with Seattle, but the first question there, I have, and we're going. I'm going to go back to Atlanta Deladon here because you know just the base align the base assignments, 
you'd expect Deladon to be guarding Brianna Stewart. And Stewart's coming off a game where she played all 40 minutes. I think she finished with 27, didn't turn the ball over. You know, do you do you think Deladon would be impacted more on the defensive end of the court, especially with a player like Stewart? Or do you think she'll be able to hold up well enough there that it might not be that much of an issue? The benefit... There aren't really many benefits of facing Brianna Stewart. <laughs> I mean, she's, uh, I was looking at her numbers as playoffs and they're just absolutely absurd. I mean, she's taking like 20 shots a game. And, but the benefit is that Elena and Brianna know each other so well. They've played, you know, on so many all-stars and Team USA games together. They know each other's games in an inside and outside. They're matched up against each other a lot. And so I think that familiarity with Stewart will help Deladon, you know, that that will help kind of bridge the, you know, bridge the injury gap a little bit. Um, in the last game they played, and once again, I'm not looking too much, but I was looking back, Stewart only took five shots in that game, that daytime game they played in DC last time. So that tells me that even if Stewart's tired, like that's still just, that, that means Deladon's defense was just extraordinary that day. Like that was a day where Deladon was... I mean, immeasurably better than Brianna Stewart because Deladon had 30 points in that game. So I think that it, it's not, uh, you know, lots of times like Deladon against Charles. I feel like Tina Charles gets the best of Deladon a lot. Uh, I don't feel exactly the same about, about Stewart. I feel like it's, it's more even there and there's more kind of back and forth craftiness. And, and Washington is, you know, they're two, they're, those are two players that are interesting to kind of stack up to each other because they do, as good as they both are, they do play a little differently. You know, Deladon was much more of an isolation post-scorer this year, whereas Stewart did most of her damage, spotting up, burning off of screens, being a roller. Although in this series, if Deladon is still impacted a little bit by that injury, she may, still, she may end up playing a little bit more like Stewart, yeah. doing more as a screener. But then... You know, from a defensive perspective for Washington, you know, I, you know, with how Seattle plays, you know, they're going to switch. They're going to switch a fair amount. So Latoya Sanders is going to chase her. Even the guards will, and then they'll do. They do those switches behind the play where a guard might be on Stewart, but then the second she tries to drag him into the post, you know, Sanders or Deladon, whoever's closer, they're going to come over and then send that guard back out to whoever's on the perimeter. So, it's. I don't imagine it. It'll hurt. You know, seeing Deladon get through these last two games, I can't imagine it compromises her to a point where it's really going to hurt Washington. You know, that was that's a good example. I'd bring up Tina Charles, who can just is just so strong and can <laughs> yeah. really wear people down. And where if you know if Stewart tries to go into Deladon's chest, you know she'll you know you know pound for pound she can hold up pretty well. And you know Stewart's a player that works to a spot and she's long enough to get shots up, and you just want to contest enough of them. But the other the other matchup uh, I'm looking at here is, and I'll get more into this with when we focus on Seattle. But for Washington, just who do you, who do you expect to guard Jewel Lloyd in this series? Oh. Um, I would, I think we're going to see Natasha Cloud probably on her. I mean, it, there'll be a lot of switching because 
we know <laughs> there, that there will be. But, you know, Cloud usually gets, uh, you know, Cloud's such a good defender. And I think that could be a really interesting battle uh, for them. Um, but usually, I mean, like I said, Cloud and Tolliver kind of switch off a lot with Atkins, you know, in there, too. I think there's going to be a lot of different looks here. But what, what, what would be your guess as to the main defender? I think Cloud yeah. is the good bet to go with there. We saw Tolliver on Bird yeah. a lot. And, you know, with Sue Bird, I think, I mean, it, <laughs> it's... I'll probably take some flack for saying this after what she did in Game 5, but, you know, Sue Bird's a player that some teams really overreacted to, even still this season, to where, you know, you're shading a second person when she's coming off a screen. You know, Sue Bird isn't a player that's putting her head down to get to the rim eight times a game. You know, she took 87% of her shots outside the paint this season. So, you know, we saw Tolliver on her a lot of the regular season. She can get over those screens and and just kind of get back into plays and I think Cloud's a good matchup there, and maybe Atkins can give him some minutes, and then, of course, and then TRP. But I like Cloud for that because, you know, we talked about Atkins earlier. You know, with Atkins, if she only has to guard Alicia Clark in this series, who's for the most part a spot-up player, you know, that could really that could really energize her to, to in this series to, to do even more for them offensively where she doesn't have to take on that most demanding assignment. Yeah, and people forget, or maybe sometimes even I forget, like, Cloud is six feet tall. Like, she has got a big wingspan, and she is tall for a guard, you know. And and I think, you know, she'll have, have a height advantage over Lloyd and... Uh, you know, I, although I'm, you know, I'm very curious to see what Lloyd is gonna is gonna bring in this series. I think um, she's, you know, she started off this season so hot and has certainly come up big in some moments, but hasn't been the you know kind of trans- transcendent star. She hasn't had a Ariel Atkins like <laughs> you know postseason so far. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing with Lloyd, you know, and I imagine, I imagine Washington staff is gonna have. Cloud and the rest of the guards watch a lot of Breon January tape. But, you know, Jewel Lloyd, you know, the book on her is kind of becoming, you know, just you get into her if you're physical or with her, she's going to kind of shut down. You know, she's going to she's gonna rely entirely on jump shots. She's going to stop going to the rim. And that, that really hurts their team. I mean, Sammy Wickham closed that game for them, and that was probably the right decision uh, for Seattle to try to, to pull that one out. Yeah, Sammy was great in that game. Um, and, you know, I was looking back, she didn't even play their first couple of games in that series. <laughs> right. And, 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 you know, Whitcomb and we'll see, we'll see how much, you know, I imagine she'll be atop the pecking order just with how well she played off the bench, but then even Kalina Mosquito Lewis, if she gets in there, it is going to be a little bit of a different series for, for Washington. Cause you've got to, you've got to. Think about players like Lloyd, of course, of course, and then Mosquito Lewis and Whitcomb, who are running around screens all the time to get open to shoot. Whereas with Atlanta, it was you know guard Alex Bentley in a ball screen, and then guard Tiffany Hayes in a ball screen, and then guard Renee Montgomery in a ball screen. Yeah, no, I mean Seattle is better than Atlanta. <laughs> I mean that's that's just the truth. They, there's more to do, but Atlanta is just an annoying team to play. Because <laughs> they just, it's so much of the same thing, but it's all done well by so many good and aggressive players. So I think that this is this is a matchup that 
I mean, I feel like I'm a- I'm acting like the Mystics should be confident, and Seattle's still the favorite and still has, I think, the more talent out there. But I, I do think that a lot of the more mainstream media is going to overlook the ways that Washington, you know, matches up well. Uh, one thing, you know, I was talking to Sanders before the playoffs, and she was like, I feel really good that there's probably not a big – a big center in, in our way, you know, there's, and I, at that point, of course, I think probably when I was talking to her, the mercury were, were down. She, she wasn't really taking Brittany Griner into, into account. I don't think, um, because this was, yeah, this was the beginning of the playoffs where it seemed like a long shot that the mercury, you know, would get that far. Um, of course they almost did, but you know, I think that, that Sanders is going to feel confident going against Howard. Yeah, and I, I wanted to to get to just kind of close with our keys to the series. And, and the player I wanted to talk about was Latoya Sanders, where I think her in this series, it's going to look very different than what Phoenix looked like against Seattle, where I think with Sanders, she's going she's gonna to stay in a lot of plays and she's going to get back into plays that you may have written her off of, whereas that was that was the big struggle for Phoenix, and it wasn't just all on Griner. But you know there were a lot of plays where Natasha Howard found herself rolling to the rim, and she had plenty of time to look back over her shoulder if she wanted to. And it won't. I don't think it'll be that kind of series for Howard. I think you know Sanders is gonna, and you know even Hines on if she plays, they're gonna be able to get there to challenge her athletically, even when she gets uses her athleticism to get up, get up into the air. And I think that'll be that'll be interesting to see how it responds because that's a player who we've seen all season long where foul trouble is, you know, it, issue one, two, and three for her to just stay on the court for thirty plus minutes. And the thing about Sanders that it, both Sanders and Atkins, it was funny because you were comparing Atkins to you know the the workhorse nature of Atkins to Hayes, but I mean Hayes is very emotional out there on court, you know, whereas uh, Atkins, you can't tell what just happened by looking at her. And Sanders is the exact same way. They, they both have these incredibly even temperaments and that can drive opponents mad, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, and the, just the, un, you know, that unflappable nature of, you know, we've basically gone down the, you know, the entire, you know their entire top eight, and you could say that for 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 probably for most of them. Yeah. And you know you look at, you know Washington had to play at home, in a with their backs against the wall in a win or go home scenario, and of course they had to deal with the Dell injury. Whereas Seattle, you know they got up two zero, and closed those two games out in very unconvincing fashion. Dropped two games in Phoenix, and then game ba- came back and needed that, and you know trailed most of the game in game five, and then they needed. That, that tremendous performance from Sue Bird to to escape out of that series. So I think, you know, you mentioned Washington, you know, that yeah, I think they should be confident with how the you know, with how those series played out where Seattle they still have some demons that they need to exercise seeing how they handled most of that series against Phoenix in the last, you know, five minutes or so in all of those games. It's gonna be I think it's gonna be another really fun series. <laughs> Uh, it was funny. I was looking, I remember, you know, staying up late cause it was a, you know, West coast game and watching that first mystics, uh, storm game, which like I said, the, the teams look very different today, or at least the mystics do. But 
Uh, I remember I, I literally found my tweet where I said, please, let's do this. I want to see these two teams in a best of five series because it was just such a high scoring dynamic. Every single player on both teams stepping up and contributing game. And so, you know, that uh, I'm I'm really excited that we get it. I hope that it lives up to the hype in my head, which I think is pretty justified. I, yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. I think we're going to, you know, the, the, these are two teams that are going to be able to score. They're teams that can shoot the ball. And, you know, that was that was the last thing I wanted to touch on as far as any big picture things go is, you know, a key from the Mystics' perspective is, you know, they've got they've got to really lock in even when they're not on the ball. Because with Seattle, it's they're all when when they are going well, you know they're all about multiple actions. You know you can't you can't get caught ball watching at a pick and roll because on the backside someone's gonna slam you with a screen and then you're gonna be staring at Sue Bird or Brianna Stewart shooting a wide open three. But other than that, other than that, just to close on, are there any other keys to this series that you're really locked in on? I mean, is it like too simple to say? whoever can get kind of the best perimeter defense (laughs) might be, you know, might win. Cause these are just two teams that love, you know, that outside shot so much. And I think a lot of it's going to depend on, uh, you know, I kind of would expect both teams to shoot well. And I think it's, it's going to come down to who can get that extra stop. And, and we're just going to have to see, but I think, I think what I'm most excited about is to kind of see the the different looks that the both coaches give um, because both of them have benches that they can go deep into if they need to and um, that they can, you know, really bring out different things. And look, these are two really great basketball minds we have here kind of leading, you know, leading the way. And so, you know, this is let's see. Let's see what happens, because. You know, we know that this is why Hughes came back, and we know that this is what Tebow has been looking for, that this is the championship that, you know, he's, he's been looking for. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. That's right. Yeah, big, big opportunity here for, for Mike Tebow to, to add, that, add that to his mantle. But we'll get out of here now. You can go, go follow Lindsay at Lynn Sports. Keep up with everything she's doing, covering the league. Uh, Lindsay, can you just remind people the last couple things you've had come out recently? Uh, yeah. I uh, actually, you know, most of my stuff was game four. I had a couple of pieces on uh, the Mystics' big win with Elena Deladon's comeback um, from that. And um, I'll have another couple of preview pieces before Friday to look out for a big a big playoff preview piece for Yard Barker and then, I mean, a big finals preview piece for Yard Barker. And then I'll have a piece in the city paper to look out for that's about the mystics, what they did this summer and kind of how, uh, or excuse me, the off season and the ways that the kind of core of this team, um, worked on their fitness, worked on their shot making and kind of eschewed the overseas lifestyle and how that kind of laid the groundwork for the success that they're having now. We'll look forward to reading those. And you can keep up with the whole High Post Hoops team throughout the finals. Download the app, follow on Twitter. Make sure you're getting everything there as well. Lindsay, thanks for coming on tonight. Thanks for having me, Ben. Here we are on a Wednesday night for a part two on Lockdown Women's Basketball, previewing the WNBA finals. 
between the Washington Mystics and the Seattle Storm. You had a chance to hear from Lindsey Gibbs, who's been covering the Washington Mystics in person. And now I've got somebody with me who's been following the Seattle Storm very closely, Joseph Zucker. And Joseph, I just want to start with, you know, your reaction to the Game 5 win after, you know, Seattle, they're the, the one seed. And I guess, you know, they've, they've done it, that, you know, they got this far. Yeah, I mean, I it just kind of echoes everything that, you know, the, the phrase is super. She was phenomenal in the fourth quarter. I think she had 14 points. Um, it was kind of, you know, Stewie carried it through the first three quarters. They uh, It just seemed like, you know, they just dump it down to her in the post and just hope that she would do something against Griner. And, I mean, that's what you do when you've got an MVP, one of the best players in the league on your team. And, uh, you know, Stewie kind of kept them afloat. They got some help from uh, Alicia Clark in the third quarter. And then it was all down to Stu, or uh, all down to Sue, excuse me. And, you know, she just really put the team on her back, especially, you know, after the um, kind of like tussle or whatever you want to call it with Brianne January and Dewana Bonner. Like she just like flipped a switch where you just knew that she was not going to let the storm lose. Like she was going to do whatever it, take, it took to see him through to the win. And I mean, it was just one of those performances that I think it, no matter what happens in the finals, even if the storm gets swept, we're always going to remember, you know, the Sue Bird mask game in the WNBA semifinals because it's just obscene that she can be the oldest player in the league and just dominate a, a really good Mercury team. I mean, um, I'm not sure uh, how much I'll go into it, but, you know, like the Mercury, I think, really were the 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 one team that the Storm did not want to see in the playoffs because they've got Griner inside and the Storm don't have that rim protector. They didn't do it in the offseason. You know, as good as Natasha Howard is, she's not a rim protector. And then they've got Brianne January, who is just a, an excellent perimeter defender, can neutralize dual Lloyd. And then obviously they've got Tarasi, who is one of the greatest basketball players of all time, male or female. And so, I mean, the fact that they could get through that, you know, they almost threw it away, obviously. But the fact that they could get past the Mercury, and that, that really felt like just a huge hurdle that the team was able to get past. Yeah, you know, and I, I want to get to... A lot, a lot of good stuff you mentioned there, and I just want to start, uh, you know, run through some of Seattle's best players here. And to start, you mentioned a little bit there. What happened to Jewel Lloyd at the end of the series? Um, I mean, that I that's kind of like Jewel Lloyd. Like, that's just what she does. I think she had, like, 32 points over the final four games. You know, January locked her down. And, I mean, that's just – this is Jewel Lloyd. That's how she's been for, what, this is her fourth season now. She's going to have those games. You know, the game one, she was – she was impeccable. She did everything. She scored from every level. She defended well. And then, you know, they threw January on her and she just kind of, you know, that she, she just has those stretches where she looks absolutely unstoppable. And then she, you know, can't score 10 points or whatever. And, you know, she's supposed to be your second leading scorer. And I mean, that's just, she started really hot this year and then she kind of fell off. And I think that's just kind of the player she is where she's going to have games where she, you know, maybe Stewie's not as good as you expect her to be, and then Jewel steps up. And then there are going to be games where she's just – her offensive impact is really minimal. That I mean, like I said, that's just kind of, I think, the player we should expect her to be. Yeah, I think it's 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 tough at some, sometimes not to wonder. And, you know, I think there are a lot of similar questions you could ask about Courtney Williams, a player of, of pretty similar standing, although Lloyd has a much bigger profile. It's just at some point, I think these teams need to ask themselves and, you know, we're going to get this answer for Seattle on this on this final stage. But 
you know, how good can you be if you're going to settle for to be a jump shooter? And I think the thing for Lloyd is it just it seems to be that. And, you know, maybe you disagree with this, but to me, it's what I'm what I'm starting to notice is that anybody that's going to really try to body her up and be physical with her. Lloyd just kind of seems to shut down a little bit and she'll and she'll settle for those jump shots. And, you know, she doesn't have to be, you know, a Tiffany Hayes kind of player getting to the rim and finishing over people. But like you got you got to probe the defense a little bit to get some easier stuff or else it just gets too hard. Yeah, no, I think you're I think you're hit the nail on the head there. And the the um, in the regular season, the opener with the Mercury, I mean, they just completely shut off Jewel Lloyd because they had Griner inside. And I mean, it was just like there was a force field around Jewel Lloyd where she just could not like score. She just couldn't. She, she was just like helpless to do anything. And, and she was settling for long jumpers and it was really painful to watch. But then in the return matchup, she seemed to really kind of dial it in with her mid-range jumper and. That that was a game where you watched and you're like, oh my gosh, this is like she is, she can do anything she wants. She can score, do whatever. The mid range helps set up her, um, you know, her drives to the basket, and she was hitting three pointers. But obviously, that she wasn't able to replicate that. And like you said, yeah, I mean, far too often she settles for, you know, really not maybe not even contested jumpers, but just you know, low percentage shots. And you're just like, no, what are you doing? You pass it off or try to you know drive inside and. I almost kind of wonder whether she would be better off, you know, maybe instead of taking like 15 to 20 shots a game, maybe like 10, five to 10 shots a game, because she's added so much to her game that she doesn't need to necessarily score 15, 20 points a game. She can be really effective if she's efficient. And, you know, I kind of wonder maybe if in the finals after the game five, where we kind of saw her take a back seat with Sammy Whitcomb emerging, I wonder if we're going to see maybe a Jewel Lloyd who's not necessarily going to be that high volume score and maybe she kind of focuses more on efficiency and contributing on the glass and defensively rather than, you know, pouring everything she has into her offense. Yeah. I think the concern if you're Seattle is that, you know, you don't want, you can't have Jewelloid start this series in a way kind of picking off, picking up from games four and five, you know, she's got to enter that series like the player that torched Phoenix to the times they played him in the regular season. And has had, you know, countless other performances where she's just really hitting. I think the difference, I think the difference now to playing Washington is it's much different. Staring down the barrel, looking at Brittany Reiner versus, you know, Elena Deladon and Latoya Sanders, who are good shot blockers, but they're not as big for one, which just makes, which that alone makes a difference. And the thing for Lloyd is, you know, I mentioned Courtney Williams, but Lloyd is much further along than Williams, for example, as a player on this kind of stage where defense is locked in because at least Lloyd is a better, she's a better three point shooter and she's actually willing to take them. And even if she just takes more of those off the dribble, you know, the, the, I imagine one of the most frustrating things has to be where, you know, if she's going to dance and, you know, pull on somebody from 19, if you're going to shoot a, a low 40s percentage shot, you know, just take, just take the, when they go under you on a screen, just take the three, which is maybe a mid thirties percent, you know, kind of shot for her instead of the stuff that just looks so much harder and is a lot harder. No, yeah, without a doubt. And I mean, that's, like I said, you know, she's into her fourth year now and you kind of wonder like, is that, that shot IQ, when is that going to come? Or is this just kind of the shooter that she is where she will kind of settle for those um, lower percentage shots where maybe she should, you know, spot up from three point range or just, you know, pass it off or whatever. And I mean, this will be a really good test for her because obviously, you know, playing the WNBA finals is a 
challenge that she has never had in her professional career. So it, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how she responds. So I'll, we'll move on from that. And, you know, it's, it's important to address it, but when, you know, I'm not going to harp on that too much because Seattle got this far and there's clearly, clearly a lot of good things that they've done to get here. And I want to start, I want to go next to Brianna Stewart, who, you know, one of my, one of my things I was wondering with Seattle is, okay, you know, they beat up on a lot of people in the regular season. They made a lot of people, you know, they looked really good against a lot of really good teams and put them away early in games. But in the playoffs, how is how is Seattle going to look when they have to play when their best players all need to play big minutes? And you know, I get Brianna Stewart gives a pretty a pretty resounding answer, playing all forty minutes, didn't turn the ball over, and you know, scored twenty seven points. I think it was to close out Phoenix. So you know, where does that? I guess kind of you know, where does that rank from what you've seen from her as a member of the Storm? And just you know, is this is this really the, is this truly you know, has she built on the regular season and just and just continue to take a step forward by doing it in the playoffs? Yeah, I, I really think so. I think this, you know, this. I don't want to say it's been a coming out party for Brianna Stewart because she's, uh, you know, a, a huge star already. But I think this was the moment where she kind of everybody was waiting for her to have that big postseason. And I mean, she was she's been excellent so far. She has been so consistent. So you know. Even when she's going up against a really, really good defensive team with one of the best shot blockers in the league, she was still able to find her points inside. She was still able, to, like I said, you know, there were possessions where it was just let's give the ball to Stewie and let's see what she does. And you know, most of the time she scored. She had um, in four of the five games she had twenty plus points in the semifinals. And when you're getting that kind of production from your star player, things are usually going to go well. And so it, it's such an asset that the Storm can call upon their best player and not only you know, just give her the ball, but know that she's going to deliver. And it's not one of those things where you kind of wonder, oh, well, is she going to wilt under the big stage because, you know, she's done it at UConn and she's doing it now for Seattle. And so to see her do it now is, I mean, it's obviously a lot of fun to watch. And it's really good knowing, like I said, that you can trust her to not kind of crumble under the weight of expectations around her because she's an MVP and she's Brianna Stewart. And, you know, she just welcomes all that on. And there really isn't a whole lot of, uh, you know, doubt about what she's going to do in the series. I think she's going to play really, really well. And I think it's the bigger question is going to be how well does Seattle's supporting cast help her offensively? Well, let's, you know, let's talk about Sue Bird, who, you know, even before she goes crazy in all those shots in the fourth quarter of game five, Sue Bird was really good in this series. And especially when you consider, you know, at this, what the player she is right now, you know, she took less than 15% of her shots in the paint this season. You know, she's been, she's been all about spot up threes and she gets to that mid range jumper when they need it, but she pushed all the right buttons. I mean, she, she totally was able to ma manipulate what Phoenix was doing with their pick and roll defense. And because, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to send a third player into guarding that action with Super because she's looking to carve you up by hitting that open player. Or when, especially when Stewart's involved in the action, you know, if you slip up at all, you know, she's firing a bullet to one of the best jump shooters in the league. So what, you know, just, you know, I don't want, I don't want to ask you to totally remove the game game five performance, um, because I think you know there is, you know, there is definitely something there, you know, especially with the range on her shot where she can hit those deep threes when she needs to. But what do you make of, you know, the level? birds playing at and just kind of her status as kind of being, 
you know, it seems like she's in a lot of ways still the rock for this team. Oh, yeah, unquestionably. And you could see that when they would go to Jordan Canada. I mean, as much as I love Jordan Canada, there was a clear drop when Sue was off the floor and Canada was the primary ball handler. Ball handler, excuse me. Um, yeah, I mean, I think when you do kind of take out that fourth quarter of game five, Sue was good, but she wasn't, I mean, she was, she wasn't great. She didn't really go above and beyond. And I'm not sure you can really expect that of her considering, you know, how much mileage she's put on her body and everything over the years. You can only ask so much of a point guard who's at 37 years old and the oldest player in the league. Um, and I think, you know, like you said, she's really kind of leaned on her three point shot a lot this year. And, and that's not necessarily been a bad thing, but there have definitely been games where, you know, she starts out, maybe breaks a couple and you're like, okay, maybe let's, uh, you know, try and do a little something else. And she just, like, she just keeps shooting. And I guess, you know, you want shooters to do that. But the fact that that is such a large part of her game, there are definitely nights where she just doesn't have it. And, you know, maybe she's only going to score two or three points. And you just kind of hope that she's able to create for her teammates and, you know, set up the offense in a different way. And if that happens in the finals, then I'm not, you know, the storm aren't necessarily going to be in serious trouble, but it's definitely not going to help, especially when you've got a score on the other side, like Christy Tolliver, who can just, you know, turn it on in a moment's notice and drop 25 points on you. So we, we've, we've hit on those, those three players and, and there's probably some, some kernels and all that, that, that answer that one I'm about to ask you, but seeing Seattle go toe to toe with Phoenix in a five game series with such a good big three and such a good starting five that was playing so well, that just wasn't going to be scared of anybody. What, what'd you learn about this team? Um, I, I think I just mostly learned that, you know, they're ready for prime time. I think. Last year, well, they passed three years, really. You could just see when they play, you know, like the Lynx, when they play the Mercury, when they play the Sparks, they just weren't at that level. You know, maybe they'd get a win off of them in the regular season or whatever. But at the end of the day, they just weren't, they weren't title contenders. They, and, and I think that there was a lot of this season where I was kind of wondering, you know, how much of this is not necessarily smoke and mirrors, but how much of this is it's the regular season and playoff basketball is different. Like it, it's just simply, a different level. It's a different challenge. It's a lot more pressure. It's whatever. And I just, I really kind of wondered when the playoffs arrived, would this storm team, you know, be the, be what they were in the regular season. And I think, I really think they were, you know, yeah, they almost lost the series losing three games in a row to the Mercury, but the Mercury are a really, really good team. And I think, you know, they kind of had a poor start, but they really started to hit their stride midway through the season. And like I said, I, I really think that they were, the team that was built to stop Seattle because they had everything that could counteract Seattle's biggest strengths. They had Griner who could nullify Stewart inside. They had January who could, you know, neutralize Jewelloid on the perimeter. They had Diane Strassi. They had Dewana Bonner. Like they had all the pieces to, to take the storm out of the playoffs and the storm survived. And so the fact that they did, I almost kind of wonder whether that was the biggest challenge the storm were going to face in the postseason. And, and not to, not, you know, I don't want to dismiss the Mystics, but I do think that the Storm match up a lot better with Washington than they did Phoenix. So that's that's taken right where I wanted to go next. You know, you mentioning Phoenix was a tough matchup. Put yourself entirely in the Storm's shoes. What do you like if you're looking at, when you're looking across at Washington that that you think makes this a good matchup for them? Um, I, I really think that. Uh, Seattle can have a lot more success close to the basket. Cause like you said, Deladon 
she's a good shot blocker, but she's not a rim protector. And Latoya Sanders is a, you know, a good shot blocker, but she's a six, four. And so you're not going to have to worry about Brittany Griner under the basket, just, you know, hovering and just her shadow looming on every possession. And so I, I really think that, you know, if the Mystics want to slow the game down, that's not going to be as much of a hassle for the Storm as it was against the Mercury because they can try and just bully the Mystics in the post with Stewart, with Howard, maybe even Courtney Paris. We didn't see a lot of her in the semifinals, but maybe you see her for five to ten minutes or whatever just to kind of wear down Deladon and Sanders inside. And and I really think that's where the Mystics are kind of iffy, whereas the Mercury, you know, defensively they were just rock solid. And the Mystics are good. But they're, they just don't have that kind of size inside to really affect Stewart inside. And I, I really think that's why she could have a, a really huge series because you can just kind of dump it down, down low to Stewie. And it, even if she's matched up with Deladon, that's a matchup that you take nine times out of 10 because you just, especially with Deladon's injury, that she's, I would say it's probably safe to say she's less than 100%. And so I just don't know how defensively, they're going to be able to, the Mystics are going to really be able to slow down the storm on a consistent basis. So two, two good points there. I want to go back, go back to where you started and, you know, I'll, you know, I, I would push back on that a little bit. You know, I think, I think you might, you know, I think to, I think to say that Washington doesn't have the rim protection, I think is, is putting it a little too strongly because you know, Sanders and Deladon standing under the basket isn't as big of a threat, but I think Seattle's going to have to have to think about it in an entirely different way because the way I put it, you know, Saka and Lindsay Gibbs about this, Sanders especially, you know, she's going to get into more in back into more plays than what they saw Phoenix's front court players do, mainly Griner, who a lot of plays just head wasn't on a, on a swivel, whatever it was. There were plays where she kind of got stuck in cement. And, and Natasha Howard, especially, I think is going to have to, is going to have to adjust to how this series is going to end up play, being played. Because if Natasha Howard set a good screen in that series, she was running to the rim and just, it was, the play was over. Nobody was going to get back into that play to challenge her. Where I think Sanders, you're going to see her get back into more plays. And Deldon, we'll have to see, um, how much that knee injury impacts her. But I think, I think Sanders is going to make this a very different series for Seattle trying to finish inside, but we'll, we'll have to see how that plays out. But then to the second thing you said, I think that'll be interesting because I think, I think that's really the, the final test, I guess, to say for, for Brianna Stewart, because I think, you know, Washington, I think they're going to switch a lot. They're going to switch again behind the play if they have to, to get their guards out of there against Stewart. And I think, I think that's going to, in a lot of ways, be where the series is won. If Seattle is able to do this is, you know, Stewart's going to have to score over Sanders, over Deladon when the offense kind of grinds to a halt. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll end up seeing how much of an advantage that is for the storm. Yeah. I mean, and I think you do bring up a good point because about Latoya Sanders, because like you said, she's a much more athletic defender than Brittany Griner because yeah, like you said, Griner, she would just have, you know, those moments where she was either out of position or she just couldn't get out to the defender because she's, you know, not a very good defender away from the basket. So yeah, you know, I, I will definitely grant you um, the fact that Sanders definitely presents a different challenge, but I, I almost kind of wonder whether we might see the storm really kind of slow it down and try and just 
get Sanders and Deladon stationary under the basket and try to exploit that as much as they can. Because the Storm really loved to obviously push the tempo, and they tried to do that a lot against the Mercury. And I almost wonder whether they're going to kind of throw Washington a curveball by saying, oh, well, we're going to play to your strength, and we're going to play slow, and we're just going to pull you inside with Natasha Howard, who definitely had a, a somewhat underwhelming semifinals, and she definitely needs to step up. But I, I, I really think that we might kind of see the Storm welcome a more slower pace because they can try and exploit the mystics underneath the basket. That I had, I hadn't thought of it that way. And I'm, I'm glad you said that. That's, that's a really good way to think about it. I'd be fascinated to see if Seattle comes out in game one and they just throw it straight to Brianna Stewart, regardless of whether it's Sanders or Deladon and just kind of lets her go to work because if they try to get, and not that they do it, you know, 10 times in a row, but if they, if they mix that in more often and they just get it to her early in the clock and go and see what happens there. I think that, I think that's a, that'd be a, that, that'd be a good place to start because, you know, is it fair to say that, you know, at, at some point this series may end up being, you know, Seattle wants to run their screening action and go, he- go heavy on the pick and roll. Washington will be able to, to funnel the ball to Alicia Clark and Natasha Howard. And there'll be a lot of possessions where they're going to dare them to beat them from the outside. Would you say that's fair to say? Oh, yeah, without question. So that, that'll be interesting to see if the series goes in that way. But to, to continue with what you said about Seattle maybe slowing this down and playing more inside, you know, I, I think this is a good series for Crystal Langhorn. And maybe, you know, I should have given her more credit to, to think that the last series was going to be good for her, especially just having to play limited minutes. But, you know, we she just <laughs> you know every every time she gets into a game, she finds a way. She gets people on these up and unders, on these step throughs, and she makes it look easy. But to go with what you were kind of saying about just not having that six eight force waiting under the basket, do you see this being a big Crystal Langhorn series? I I I really think that's a great point. Um, in one of the storms wins over the Mystics, I'm not sure if it was their first or second. I think Langhorn came off the bench and scored like 12 points. And she's somebody who I, I really think people forget about because she's been marginalized so much by Natasha Howard. But I mean, I think you really, you're absolutely correct in that this could really be a big series for her because she's one of those players who you watch her underneath the basket. And I know there's just something about her shot that is like unnatural. It's, it just forces it up there and it goes in. She just is so good at those kind of tough inside baskets and it's really something to watch. And, and yeah, I mean, uh, against Phoenix, she was kind of a non-factor, but this could really be a series where we see her utilized to really, really good effect because she is such an established post scorer that the storm haven't really needed to rely on too much. And I, and I wonder kind of how much she has struggled to adjust to a bench roll because it's something that she hasn't really had to do for a long time in her career. And I think, yeah, I think Dan Hughes would be really smart to try and and get her off the bench and just feed her inside. Just what you know, multiple possessions, string them together, just dump it down to her. Maybe she doesn't shoot it every time, but just you know, get her comfortable and let the Mystics know that hey, you know, this is something. This is going to be a part of our offense, and you're going to have to game plan for it. Yeah, and I and I I I have to be first to admit, you know, I was kind of guilty of not really looking at both sides of the ball with Langhorn. And I think, you know, so much in their struggles last year, you know, it, it, in a way it was, you know, in a way things got piled onto her a little too unfairly 
you know, she, some of the issues she had defensively aren't any different than a lot of other players in the league. You know, Brittany Griner is going to ball rack everybody when she shoots that jumper over her right shoulder. Uh, you know, Sylvia Fowles was burying everybody under the rim last season with how well she was playing. And, but, you know, this, you know, and I kind of get into this thing defensively for Seattle. You know, this is a pretty good matchup for her where, you know, she's got a guard, Latoya Sanders, you know, that's not a, she's not a high volume post-up player. She spends a lot of her time just screening and spotting out from 18 feet. But I want to get to Deladon and with where, where she's at right now, you know, what are your, has, you know, watching the other series play out, have, have things changed for you and how you think Seattle might approach, approach it with her? Or do you imagine that they're just going to expect her to be at a hundred percent and just plan for that rather than maybe underestimating her early in the series? Oh, I mean, I think you definitely, definitely expect her to be a hundred percent, even if she's not. I mean, I, I kind of find it hard to believe that she would be at a hundred percent, but I mean, you can't go in thinking that she's not going to be Elena Deladon. And I think you just have to expect that she's going to take games over, even if it's not with her scoring, it's going to be just with her, with her passing, with her rebounding, with her, you know, sucking the defense in and, you know, forcing people to double team or triple team or whatever, and create open opportunities for her teammates. I mean, I think you have to expect that. And then, you know, maybe two, three games in, if it's, you know, the series is still going on to a fourth or fifth game, you, you have a better idea of what's going on with her, but, yeah, I mean, I I don't think you can go in thinking, oh, yeah, well, we're just going to, you know, we're not going to have to worry about Elena Deladon as much because of the knee injury. I think you definitely have to expect her to be able to drop in 20, 30 points, whatever, on you. And in the, in the backcourt of Washington, you know, Ariel Atkins is somebody who really just seems to be adding, you know, building block after building block where you'll see her bust out this drive and she'll finish through contact. And you're just saying, where you know, where did that come from? And, you know, I think with her playing with the confidence that, that she has been, I wonder, do you think Seattle changes their approach at all and how they try to line up with their matchups with Washington? You know, I guess, you know, for starters, you know, where, where are you expecting Alicia Clark to spend the majority of her time in this series? I would say she's probably going to line up with Ariel Atkins and then they'll probably have Jewel Lloyd guarding Tolliver and see how that goes and maybe they need to switch it up or whatever. But I, yeah, I'd expect Alicia Clark to line up against Ariel Atkins. And that, that seems like a good place to start because, you know, the, the upside of having Clark on Atkins is, you know, it'll make it less, you know, Clark, you know, Clark's of a similar size and, and, and brings a physicality to where, you know, she might be, you know, she can keep Atkins off the offensive glass you know, she won't get bullied by her on a drive or by a little duck in, you know, some of the things that Clark likes to do well herself. And I, I agree that that seems like a good starting point for them. And, you know, as we mentioned with Jewel Lloyd, you know, having her on Chrissy Tolliver, that's, you know, that's right up there, one of the top lines of the game plan. So that, that could be something that really energizes her and gets her going. But defensively for Seattle, trying to, trying to match up with Washington, are there anything else? Anything else we haven't hit on that you think are, will really be key in how this series plays out? No, I mean, I, I think that definitely the the Tolliver Jewel Lloyd matchup is going to be really fun to watch because both those players are capable of, you know, being ice cold for three quarters and then catching fire in the fourth quarter. And I, I really think that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And it's one that, um, you know, I think people kind of focus on, oh, it's going to be Sue Bird versus Christy Tolliver, but 
Uh, there's no way that Super is going to be lined up against Tolliver. That's just not how the Storm have operated on defense. So I, I really think the the Jewel Lloyd Chris Tolliver matchup is going to not decide the series, but I think it's going to have a really big impact on the outcome. And so we hit on Crystal Langhorn there, but I wanted to talk more about more about the bench. So for Seattle, we saw Sammy Whitcomb emerge after getting two DNPs there. And I'm curious, just, you know, how deep do you think Dan Hughes goes with his bench in the first two games of this series? And, and then along with that, you know, what, how does, what's different in this matchup for those top bench players versus going up against Phoenix? I, you know, I really don't know how he's necessarily going to approach it because I could see, I could see it going both ways where, Maybe he wants to kind of give his starters a little more of a break early in the series to kind of, to save them maybe for a game four, game five, whatever. So that way Stewie can play in 40 minutes in a winner take all game five. Or I could also see him wanting to really set a tone early and then say, I'm only going to play seven players and I'm, I'm going to play, I'm going to play Stewie for 35 minutes. I'm going to play Sue for 30 plus minutes. I'm going to play Jewel for 30 minutes. Um, that's going to be, you know, really interesting to watch. And I, I, I don't know how much he's going to lean on the bench because that was what I thought was one of the strengths of Seattle in the regular season. And then he really kind of, you know, trimmed down the rotation, which is, you know, not necessarily all that surprising in the postseason. But I was kind of surprised to see Sammy Whitcomb not factor in at all in games three and four. And then Courtney Paris, you know, she hardly featured at all in a series where, you know, maybe you needed somebody against Grinder to just kind of some, you know, big body inside to match up against her. So, I, it's really kind of hard to read where Seattle's going to go with that bench. Obviously, we're going to see a lot of Jordan Canada. We'll probably see a lot of Crystal Langhorn. But beyond that, I, it's really up in the air. And I, I think I think some of this goes back to, you know what, you know how, what kind of player is Lillian Deladon early in this series? You know, is it you know games four and game five we didn't see her post up very much, or just try to ISO people? And you know if Seattle's not doing that. Then I think that'll really unlock Dan Hughes to play whoever he wants. You know, I think, you know, the thing with, you know, Whitcomb's a better defender than Mosqueda Lewis. And I imagine he was just a little more confident in, in her offensively. But then as that Phoenix series played out, there just wasn't really, there wasn't really a place for Mosqueda Lewis to be, to defend with who Phoenix was playing. And so I think. You know, the, an interesting thing with Deladon and, and when she's out there is if they're going to go after some of these players and try to get those switches and drag them down into the post and let Deladon ISO them. And that'll be something that's interesting to see play out because, you know, Whitcomb is clearly, you know, since she began in Seattle, you know, she's got good feet. You know, she works hard. She stays in place. Jordan Canada can stay in front of people. Um, you know, even Noel Quinn. Hughes showed he was willing to unearth her and bring her in uh, in one of those games in Phoenix. So I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that plays out. And I guess, you know, in those, in those situations where you might have to do a little more switching and, and get out of those matchups where Deladon's really trying to, trying to get an advantage matchup, you know, which, which bench players do you trust the most with their ability to defend in high leverage situations? I mean, I would say Jordan Canada is probably number one just because, I mean, she has been, she hasn't, she's definitely a work in progress on offense, but defensively, I mean, she's, she's already there really. 
she's not like an all defense player, but I mean, she is really, really good on defense. Obviously her size is a limitation. So she is, you know, they, you can't exploit her on switches. So that's one thing that, um, the storm will definitely have to watch out for. And I think, you know, Langhorn could really be a wild card on defense because like you said earlier, she, it was easy to pick on her because last year she was playing center and she was lining up against Griner and Tina Charles and, Sylvia Fowles. And that was just a matchup that she was not going to win. She just didn't have the size and she didn't, she just could not stop those players. And that it wasn't something that you could expect of her. But she, she, I mean, she's a really good defender when she doesn't have to guard those all world centers and people who are six, eight and have like three or four inches on her. And so I really think that her agility and her mobility could really be helpful in those switches. And, you know, maybe uh, I, wouldn't like her defending Elena Deladon, but it's one that I would definitely settle for over, you know, obviously Jordan Canada or even Sammy Whitcomb or um, maybe even Alicia Clark, you know, because the Langhorn has the a little more height. So, yeah, I think Langhorn is somebody off the bench who Seattle could really, really lean on in those defensive switches. Yeah, it's it's it would be, you know, it would be it would be really interesting. And, you know, frankly, it'd be you know, it'd be a good story to see that play out that way for Langhorn to, to have this kind of a, a role in this series after, you know, uh, it was easy to, it was so easy to pile on to her last year and now in a, in a role more fit for her skill set and her size. Um, you know, well, it's, it's much easier to see her impact on a game, but to get out of here to close on just kind of some final keys to the series. You know, I don't know if there's any anything we haven't mentioned that, you know, you just some bullet points that you think are really going to be important as this plays out. And I'll just the the two quick ones for me that stand out are just, you know, one for for Seattle. I think a key for them is just to to know personnel on situations where they do help on Deladon. You know, the person you leave alone, it can't be Christy, Christy Tolliver. You probably don't want you don't want it to be Ariel Atkins, but. You know, if you have to leave Natasha Cloud open, if you have to leave Tierra Ruffin Pratt open for a spot three, you know, those are the kind of things you're going to live with, all things considered. And then the other thing is just, you know, as mentioned, we'll see, we'll see what Elena Deladon looks like at the beginning and as the series plays out. But then for Seattle, you know, I think one of the top things for them has to be just find her in transition and just take all that stuff away. Because when she gets those trail threes or when she, or when she can pump fake, and just drive to the rim. Those are just automatic buckets for Washington. And that should be something you really prioritize. Cause if you're, if you're ready for it, you can, you can take it away. So do you have any, any, anything that stands out to you about those or do you have anything else to add? No, no, I think you, uh, you know, I think you made really good points there. Um, something I, I, it's kind of more of a broad thing, but I, I just wonder how much, you know, home court advantage is going to matter in the series because the mystics have to go play George Mason in Virginia, which I think is like a half hour, away from, you know, where they usually play. And I wonder if that's something that um, isn't going to, you know, be the deciding factor, but I wonder if that is going to have any sort of impact in this series, because you're taking the Mystics out of an arena that, you know, they've grown used to even, you know, playing where they, George Washington, I believe the last few games and, you know, and now your fans have to go to a different arena. I just wonder if they're going to kind of have, that electric atmosphere that the storm are going to have at key arena, which is their usual home the entire season. And I mean, key arena was electric during the semifinals and, you know, so many of the players talked about how much, you know, that 
was a boost to them to have that those fans behind their backs. And I, I just wonder whether that's going to be something that is not necessarily that we notice with the mystics, but if it's something, it's not, you know, it's not an advantage in their favor. It's not going to be something that they have when they are playing it in game three. And maybe if they're down two Oh, then they won't have that kind of just electric feeling from the fans. And they just are able to feed off that. And if there's not as much energy, then maybe that kind of is a domino effect for the rest of their performance. Yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see, you know, the one thing I, if I had, you know, if I had one wish for, you know, those game fives, you know, I wish I could have been in Key Arena to see that crowd erupt as, as Sue Bird hit all those shots in the fourth quarter, uh, that, you know, that crowd really seems to have done a great job rallying around them. And then, you know, I guess, you know, it's, it's frustrating to see these teams get displaced in the playoffs of all times year after year, but I guess at least for Washington, you know that, you know, they've got their own building under construction and hopefully that means that that will never be a problem for that franchise again. But we'll see if that, if that does have any effect and what those, what those turnouts are like when the, when their uh, home games come around, but that'll do it for us tonight. I appreciate, uh, appreciate Joseph coming on. You know, the one thing as some, you know, I try to keep an eye on, every team but you can't keep up with everything and that's to me it's it's really cool we've got going at high post hoops where we have people locked in on individual teams because as we saw in this conversation you know there are things that joseph sees that i didn't and he's made you know he's brought up things and you know i appreciate you know getting the chance to hear you bring up things that i hadn't realized and that will definitely change how i look at this look at this series and look at look at the storm moving forward but uh joseph where can people follow you on twitter first of all um, they can follow me at Joseph Zucker. It's just my name. Um, yeah. So, uh, follow me if you want to see like really, um, non-serious storm tweets, a lot of screen caps from games. Um, yeah, that's about it really. Yeah. I think you, you had probably what was my favorite screen cap of the season with, uh, I forget what the, what it was that <laughs> they were reacting to, but Dan Hughes, Oh yeah, and Coach Clapham right on the bench. That was a great one. Yeah, I, they were having some sort of conversation before the game, and man, it was. I really wish I could have been in on that conversation because Dan Hughes was just having the time of his life. I don't know. I I, I wish I could talk to him and, and ask him what in the heck he was talking about because I don't think I've ever seen anybody happier. Yeah, he uh, and and in games, he's in games. I would say he's he's sneaky good. I would say with his reactions, you know, he'll get really fired up to a big shot or a or a call that he likes or doesn't like very much. Oh yeah, he's he, he's definitely a lot of fun to watch, without a doubt. Alrighty, so that'll do it for our WNBA Finals preview. Joseph, thanks for coming on tonight. Thanks for having me.